Sophie, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, it sounds like Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, Chronic but Iconic. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, thanks for inviting me. No, thank you so much. You've been so busy already this morning. I have, and uh, there's lots of stuff going on around the BBC, which is great for awareness. You know, you know about Lyme Awareness Month. Definitely, so, yes. Yeah, so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So, welcome, as as I said, and, and just give a brief sort of intro to yourself for the listeners would be great. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Andrew McGuinness. I write under AS McGuinness. I'm a author, writing coach, and uh, and um, I live yes. in Whitstable in Kent and uh, yeah I am a Lyme survivor which I'm very you know proud, proud of yeah and, definitely uh, yeah because it's not easy as you know it's not easy no definitely and of course maybe you could go over sort of your Lyme journey from start to finish really because I know it's been one heck of a journey it has and um, you know lots of peaks and troughs so yeah I was diagnosed in 2010 in May, so what's that, nine years ago? Yeah. And um, yeah, I got the rash. I had a classic pattern. Yeah. So I had the rash, which was misdiagnosed. Yeah. And uh, as an ordinary insect bite with five days of antibiotics, and nothing got better. In fact, I got worse, and my symptoms sort of magnified and became various there were so many different things and uh including flu-like symptoms stiff neck yes um i was in and out of a and e so many times i've lost count but um but they couldn't put their finger on it they couldn't they couldn't decide they didn't know what it could be so i was just sent away and um and got worse uh until i had a neurological meltdown about it was actually about 12 months later, which is really curious because some people develop the symptoms, you know, right very away. quickly, yeah. one after another. Yeah. And mine, mine was quite spread out. Um, so they didn't know what it was. And then I had this meltdown, which half my body went numb. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, scary in um, itself. It was utterly yeah. scary. And I was sort of praying to God that I wasn't having a stroke. So I went to A&E and they diagnosed the stroke. Oh wow! And um, and then I was sent away with uh, statins to you know loosen up the blood. Yes. Um, but then a week later, exactly one week later, I had the numbness down the other side of my body. Right. And I was was taken back in as an emergency case onto stroke ward. They thought I had another stroke, and in fact, it wasn't. And neither of those were strokes. And um, to cut a long story short, I, I went through a number of misdiagnoses, including not just stroke, but uh, multiple sclerosis. And I got a phone call one afternoon yeah. from a consultant saying, you may have a brain tumour. And this is all scary in itself, no. because, of course, all of those yeah. are very, very serious as well. So it's... They're all life-affecting. Yeah. And, and nobody, and I hadn't, nobody had mentioned Lyme, and I never mentioned Lyme because I hadn't heard of yeah. it back then uh, things have changed I think slightly since but um, only slightly but um, uh, and then the battle started because you research you know your own body you speak to people um, in the NHS and also the private sector and you come up with 
lime yeah. and um i did and i had a gp who was very open-minded at the beginning which is great but, which is great so very open to the idea of lime without any experience personally yeah. she had but um but she wouldn't um she wouldn't diagnose lime because the consultants had done blood tests right. and you know the serological tests are sort of unreliable yes so I had a negative, a positive, and an equivocal. So I was somewhere in the middle. Right. Now, now I think they would probably treat. I hope they would. Yes. But but I wasn't treated, and my GP said my hands are tied. I have to do what the consultant says, which is no treatment. Oh. So yeah, no treatment. So I had, you know, when when they diagnosed MS. Yeah. I was actually given a course of steroids. Right. And. If you know, steroids are the worst thing that you can give someone with a bacterial infection because they have a party. Oh. Uh, yeah, it, it reduces your um, immune response so the bacteria can proliferate and spread. That's awful. Uh, but yeah, I know. So my condition got worse, yeah. really worse, uh, to the point of I thought, this is it. I wrote my last letters oh. to loved ones. That's heartbreaking. I, I know. I thought, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm out of here. This is, um, there's no way back. Yeah. And, but I, but I did eventually, it took years, uh, three or four years to convince, which I did and my wife did, um, that this is most likely to be Lyme because it's not any of the other things. Yes. So they eventually did treat me and um, it took a, a number of years, but, um, but I did make a substantial but incomplete recovery. Right. But there you go. I mean, it's not just me, you know, there's lots of people out there who definitely who have gone through a similar experience. Yes. And, and it's not weeks or months, but years, you know, it can take definitely. that long to convince and to get treatment. And it's not just the but sort I, of emotional yeah. strain of going through all the physical oh my God, side, yeah. but it's the fact that, you know, you were misdiagnosed with so many other sort of serious health problems that again that's going to take its toll emotionally on you emotionally psychologically yeah. it, it it utterly nearly destroyed me which is one of the reasons i wrote the novel anatomized because i wanted to look at the relationship between the physical illness and the psychological illness yes which you know because you it's more than anxiety and feeling down it, you become depressed you become isolated and the doctors are not helping at that time. Yeah. So you feel you feel bereft. You know, you do start grieving. That that is the process that you go through. I realise now that Lyme patients who have chronic Lyme in particular go through a grieving process. They definitely so they have do. To, yes. Yeah, you do. You probably know. You know, you've got to let go of things. Yeah. You you mourn your old and, life. And, you mourn yeah, your relationship absolutely. with your friends and family. It just affects yeah. everything, and it's hard to bounce back, especially it, when you, you. It was like an atom yeah. bomb. Yeah. It was like a, a, bomb, a bomb had gone off, and uh, people didn't, were running around and didn't know what to do. And you're at the epicenter. Yes. You know, you're there, the victim in a way. Yes. To start with, but then you have to somehow pick yourself up out of the hole. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Which anatomized, right? Anatomized did that for me because it was therapeutic yes. and uh, it was difficult it took four years but but I felt that I had to 
do what I was used to doing, which was reading or writing. You know, that was my passion and profession yes. as a lecturer and a novelist. So I thought I have to make something good out of something bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, and of course, like you're saying, you're trying to t- take an, a really, really bad negative and make it into a positive and try and heal the emotional side yes. of things by just doing things that you enjoy again because you do you get so lost in all the health and everything that seems to be going wrong you know you're exactly you're you're weak aren't you very weak yeah you're physically you're very weak so you're reliant on others yes um all all the time and that puts pressure on them definitely Um, and like it has a like a wave of an effect on on people um and you're still there at the epicenter thinking how do i recover how do I get back yes and uh, for me reading and writing was the thing and I, I I stopped I before I got ill I was I, I mean I was absolutely like you with the swimming and and being a class swimmer yes I was a really good writer and I was really at on a peak yes you know I just interviewed Kajirish Guru oh wow a famous writer um, one of the most famous writers in the world and was asked by his publisher to to interview him at a big event, you know, 400 people, it's massive. Yeah. And it was only three months later, I sort of um, got the rash and, you know, things happened by chance, I suppose. And and so, and then I just took a quite a steep trajectory downwards. Um, oh, and I thought, where, where was I? Yeah. How, how did that happen? Um, and of course, it's just a bite and an infection, a simple infection that's very complicated. Yes. In the end, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I was high, and then all of this happened, and then it was. It took years to steadily turn that curve up again. Definitely. Um, which has happened. So writing the novel that wise really did. It was difficult. I can imagine. Reliving. Yes, especially with all the neurological yeah. problems. Oh yeah, I mean, I you know, for I had to work my way back in. Yeah, you know, I I did some short stories. I edited an old novel just to find my way back in to get back on the bicycle and start cycling again. I had to just do it, and um, and I did. It, it took a few years, um, but you know, four years later, I had a good book, and it says a lot about lying. Yes. It says a lot about life and death actually because that's what it feels like yeah of course and i mean you've had massive success with it and well-deserved success yeah. as well which again will give you a massive boost because you know you've you've written that when you're weak like you were saying and at your lowest yeah. point so it's kind of like you know when you feel on top form what what more could you achieve it's just crazy i know but you've written a, a, a memoir which is really really interesting congrats oh, on thank that you no, really, because I tried to write Anatomized as a memoir. Yes. I wrote 20,000 words. Yeah. And then I just, I was so, how do I describe it? I was so um, upset by yes. the things. Yes, emotionally happened. upset, yeah. Yeah, really. I, I had to have some sort of distance. Yes. And because I'm a fiction writer, I thought, well, I scrapped those 20,000 words and started from afresh right. uh, through through a fictional lie so I sort of gave it to somebody else and I would never give lying to my worst enemy. exactly I think we all say that don't we 
and I felt guilty for years. I still do actually yes. giving it to my stand-up comedian, my central character. <laughs> otherwise, I gave him Lyme disease to bring him down. Right. Uh, but it sort of helped me at the same time. Yes, of course. Uh, because yeah, but hopefully it was just exploring that, as you say, that the relationship between that physical and the psychological is is so important in any chronic illness, but especially with Lyme disease, which is so misunderstood. Yeah, definitely. And, and for us, mm. when we obviously have been told that we're crazy, it's all in our head, yeah. and we feel alone. We don't know who to talk to about it. We don't know. We don't really yeah. want to push it on friends and family either. So we're probably the same in the sense that we use writing as a way to sort of get it all off our chest and think, Right, I've yeah. written it down, it's out of my body, that negative energy is out. And that's how I see it. And you probably feel exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't read it very much oh, anymore. Oh, no, I don't. There's a temptation. But I just think, you know, you know, you give it your best shot. Yeah. And people are, you know, the reviews, the five-star reviews are fab. And, and it was endorsed by uh, the founders of Tesh Metcalf. Wow, um, yeah. And Sandra Pearson at LDA, Lyme disease action. Yes. And it was recommended for GPs, you know, because they need to understand the effects that they not really only the do. disease can have, but, but the process can have, you know, the NHS process can have upon of a person. And, and so it's a year old, almost yep. to the day now. And that's why. Wow. And it's like a, it is a bit like a child, I suppose. It's sort of, I wish it well. Yeah, and, of course. Um, and uh, it will always be there. And I'm, I'm so happy I wrote it. Definitely. You be, should be so, so proud. You really should. The feedback is tremendous. You know, the feedback is so yes. good. And, and I wrote it not just for preaching to the converted, i.e., you know, blimeys like us and the community mm -hmm. to fast. But really, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting tweets and uh, Facebook stuff coming in about you're an in-demand man. I'm in demand, <laughs> and um, but this is all good. This is all good. It definitely is. Uh, but was I saying? Yeah. So I wanted to write an entertaining. That sounds a trivial word for something like Lyme disease. Yes. But I wanted to write something that was broad in appeal, so to non-Limeys, so that people would understand who have no connection or effect from Lyme disease that would suddenly read about it and think, oh my God, you know, yes. this exists. This exists and it's terrible and we need to do something about it. So I, I wanted to sort of, yes, say what was wrong for me and for other uh, Lyme yes. patients, which is still going on. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, the things haven't really improved substantially. Not fast enough. No, definitely and, um, not. So the book still has a resonance, but yes, it's amazing the amount of people, not just friends and, and family, who have said thank you for writing it because it it, it told me something I didn't know. Yes, and I think that's really important to educate without you know preaching too much, but to inform um, people who, who have no connection with it, so that when they hear about Lyme they know how profound it can be. Definitely. And, you know, prevention is the best cure at the minute. Absolutely. So people need to protect themselves. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's simple things that they can be doing that take seconds but can save a life. So I wish I had. I wish I had. I don't know, yes. where, I, I don't know where I put it. it. It can only be one of two places, to be honest. It can be either in Canterbury and Kent with the orchards where I used to walk my dogs. Right. Sandals and my shorts, you know. 
and um, in the summer, uh, or it could have come from Wales, you know, because I just yeah, and my dogs had ticks on. Uh, oh right! And my eldest dog was was dying sadly, and was and I decided to sleep with him on the sofa, which is crazy. I know that. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it was only a few days later that I got the rash on my leg. Right. Um, so I did it, off, but yeah, I hadn't done that now because. Wow, was let loose. That's, um, but it can happen. Crazy, it can. It can happen. That's yeah. it. it can happen to anybody. I know. So it's out of love for for him because he was dying, and um, yeah, I don't know whether I don't know whether the ticks that he had were from Wales or from Kent. But to be honest, as you know, it's endemic Lyme and definitely ticks across the UK. Um, there were no signs anywhere in Wales when I was walking through. No, yeah. country, through orchards and fields and farmland and horses and sheep. And, oh, wow. Really exposed. Yeah, really exposed. Yes. Um, had no idea at all. So, you know, the Lyme Awareness thing, the campaign is critical to people just protecting themselves. My God. To stop it from yeah, happening. The climate is warming up. Absolutely. So there's more and more ticks around all year round now. Yeah. And people, it's not just about the summer season. It's all year round that you need to protect yourself and be aware. No, that's right. Really. So I still have sandals. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I tend to stick to the the well-trodden paths when I'm walking. And uh, yes. the dogs, uh, when they come back in, and myself. And um, I don't want to be reinfected. I know that can happen. It can happen. No, yes. They're just looking for a blood meal, a tick. So it doesn't matter yeah. whether you've had it before or not. You know, you can still... You know, we definitely, and I, I think that's that's a big message as well because I think everyone thinks that it's never going to happen yeah. to them, or if you know, a bit like you're saying, if you've had it once, you're immune to it, and it's not the case, it really isn't. And that's why we have to bang on about it all the time, and we're always talking about prevention methods because they are so important. Well, that's right, and also, I carry the, the bacteria that infect you, but. It doesn't matter. It just takes the one. Yes, you don't I know. Have to be the one. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, so everyone, please take care. Yeah, definitely. And I sort of just want to talk about support because mm. obviously you've been through such a rough time mm. that having your family around and I don't know if you went through a phase where you might, might have lost friends or they were very supportive because a lot of people. We see it in the group all the time, don't we? That yeah. people just don't have the support because the doctors are telling them they're crazy. So obviously their fam family and friends are listening to the doctors and thinking, well, maybe you are crazy. And it means that people isolate themselves and feel very lonely. It's one of the worst predicaments of, of any chronic illness, particularly Lyme, I think, so misunderstood. My wife, Janice, actually, my life partner, is that we've been together for decades now. But um, Wow. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the stress that that sort of illness puts on a relationship is incredible. But she stuck with me. She was writing yes. the letters to the consultants and the GPs. Oh, I, so lovely. I, I'd lost the ability to, at that stage to yeah. really write, read anything at all. It's just help. Um, so she was my safety net and, you know, I owe everything to her. But other than Janice, uh, my wife, there's um, my best friend. You, you've got to yes. have one person, I think, outside of 
yes. family that is the person who knows you yes. and knows what's happening and is always giving you support, always encouragement and support. Um, and Definitely. saying the right things. They know you well enough to say the right things. Yeah, of course. And, and obviously for us seeing our loved ones also go through the heartbreak of what's mm. going on, just it just tears us apart and we feel so helpless and again we try like my mum was always like why tell me about this symptom and why do you yeah. not tell me about that but you don't want to bring up any more hurt than what you're already causing no that's and it's, it's very hard to know what to do yes I know and um I didn't I joined LDUK on the, you know as a member oh I think it was I was already three years into trying right. to get treatment and um, yes. the support I got from people, members of the forum and LDUK and other lines outside of that as well that I'd made contact with personally changed things for me. I felt yes. like I wasn't alone, that I yeah. wasn't going mad, that there was light at that end of the tunnel, there was there was a place to go. Um, Definitely. Offered, offered so much support. Family is an interesting one because it's a bit more complex for me. So I won't mention people individually, of course. But yeah, of course. Yeah. There was initially with Lyme, there was support for a few months. You right. know, when people thought it was a stroke, I, I got support. So when it was very physically obvious, I got right. support. Yeah. So then when it was MS, these are all misdiagnoses, of course. When it was MS, I, I still got that support. Yeah. But then when I wasn't getting better and the misdiagnoses were taken away from the table, um, there was within my family, there was confusion. There was element of denial. Um, there was yeah. a breakdown of communication. So to this day, there are members of my family, siblings that I no longer talk to. And that is really, really unfortunate. Yes, of they course. never they never understood, and um, even though I tried to explain, when yes. you're ill, it's very difficult explaining clearly. But um, anyway, I think it's a common feature of many chronic illnesses, you know, ME and so on, is that people just think that you. I don't know what they think of you, but I don't. I dread to yes. think what they think of you because. And I think sometimes yeah. it, it's hard because um, still to this day, people see Lyme disease and think, oh. You know, a couple of weeks of antibiotics and yes. you're fine. So why why do you still feel really bad? But the physical and... symptoms are so terrible that um, yes, you know, it's beyond some people's comprehension. You know, they yes. think, like you say, a bite can be treated easily a week of this or two weeks of that. Uh, yeah, normally antibiotics, but it's it's just not enough and. The, the, the social impact of that, you know, family, I was just talking about families, that some family were always with me and some, it changed. Yes. Um, and our relationship changed. So it wasn't just the physical and the psychological illness, like, as we were saying before, it was the, yes. that wave that spread outwards and destroys relationships. It, it, you know, it's not just the physical and the psychological, it is the social, you know, that's when you start to feel isolated um, yes and then you start blaming yourself um so there's guilt attached to it yes. you know, um and and that's what happened but i'm a different person now because i've sort of learned from all of these things they're like tests i think Definitely. i see them as 
And, yes. you know, we can pass those tests. You know, we're yes, not people, are we? We're not the same, but we are fundamentally the same. But our path is a new one and um, we can still walk it. And that's that's the message, I think. Yeah, I think you become far stronger as a person, yeah. far more grateful. And you yes. realise that the people that may have been judging you or doubting you, you just don't want that negative energy anymore. And you no. put all your heart and soul into the people that are positive in your life and everything that is positive because you, you just become so much more grateful and you just don't sweat the small stuff anymore, I think. Uh, absolutely spot on because... There are great friends, but there are also slightly toxic friends. Yes. Um, and people who do judge you too readily, um, and they might just ruin your self-confidence. And I think when you're really low, the yes. last thing you need is for your confidence to be wrecked. Definitely. So I think in the end, individually, personally, you'll probably know who those people are. And you, and, you know, you will know who the other friends are that aren't like that. And they're the ones to share time with and um yes and cherish yeah absolutely cherish them yeah yeah keep keep those old friendships as much as you can make new friends as well actually definitely lime is you know opens many doors in terms of friendship and um so you lose some friends as you do with many illnesses but and then you make other ones and it's really important that you don't just lose it's important that you find um yes other friends and other avenues definitely and and i think you know you were right with what you said you know there's so many positives of with you know that comes with meeting new people yes. within the community and and so forth because you do meet great people and it's weird because you think oh i hate my illness i hate this i yes. hate that um, but actually, there's quite a lot of positives from it as well, because we wouldn't be where we were or as strong as we are today or have learned the lessons that we've learned without it. So we also have to sort of wait up and try and be a bit more positive about yes. our health journey as well. I mean, anger is a natural emotion to feel for many reasons with Lyme disease. And yes. people said to me about anatomize, they've come back to me and they said, it made me feel angry. Right. Uh, on my behalf, which I think is very nice. Thank you very much. But <sighs> but there, but it was a control. When I wrote it, it was a sort of uh, many reasons, but it was controlled for yes. the story, for the sake of the story and the journey of the main characters. So there is anger within there, which might explain why some people thought they feel angry about the way the NHS treated Jack, my main character, and his wife, Alice. Yeah. And and it, how it destroyed them and yeah. their relationship and their lives and their future and their dreams was were all fading away because of this and um, it could have been different and I, I I'm glad that people have felt angry about it because it yeah. is something to feel angry about but I think the anger has to be controlled directed it has to be in control it can't be out of control and I know on some forums that it can get out of control. It's yes. natural to feel that anger. But some at some point you have to rein it in, don't you? You've got to of understand and, and do and you, something with it. Yeah, and, uh, and, in you, a positive and you can't, you can't sort of blaming other people either. You no, know, that's you can't right. Be pushing yeah. the blame onto other people. I know. You have to just accept what's happened and it's complex. Sort of, it's very psychologically very complex. Yeah, it is. And having to come to terms with with it all is just so hard and it's not an overnight job. No. It does take a lot of work. 
it takes many months maybe sometimes even yeah. years but like you're saying you know the community the line community yeah. when we all come together it is a massive lifeline for so many and it's so great to have people give their own experiences share help and advice and you know like you were saying your two main characters jack and alice mm. showing how it's sort of well destroyed them as you were saying and it, yeah. it's very very heartfelt mm. so many people will be able to relate to that which will probably be drawing their own anger out because they can see it sort of playing out in their own lives as well well and it, they think it, Lyme is a roller coaster, isn't it? And um, it really is. Yeah, it's never, it's never like a. I'm hoping it never is a flat line for anybody. And I know I shouldn't mention this, but that in historically, some people have been personally unable to handle it. Yes. And they've taken the wrong path and the wrong step. I think, but completely yeah. understandably, but. But that's tragic and devastating. It is tragic. And, and I wanted to explore some of those feelings in the book. So it, it, in it was places, needed. it's, it's yeah. quite dark because we sometimes live in dark places. And um, yes. but there's but there is some light. I mean, I, I didn't. It's not. It's not completely tragic in the in the book. And and my own life is not completely tragic either. Um, but I still feel guilty about giving it to Jack Man. You know. He, this poor man, you know, he's making a comeback and the, yes. the comedian then suddenly falls and falls and falls again. And but I think yes. it's important to show that in a work. I, I thought it was important. Definitely, because I always say it, but, you know, life doesn't plan out as plan A. Sometimes you have to go through B, C, D and E. Yeah, absolutely. And society is very much like tells us that we need to be on a certain path. Doing yes certain milestones at each age and whatever and when people sort of lose track and end up down a different path that's when self-doubt self-guilt self-loathing yeah. all come into play and people find it very hard to bounce back and people need these kind of role models yeah. to see that no actually you know we did have a lot of setbacks it wasn't easy whatever's worth it will never be easy we have to work hard and that gives a lot of people some comfort and some inspiration as well yeah absolutely well a lot of us are doing this aren't we and and trying to we're rebuilding yes. aren't we we're rebuilding our lives and um definitely you know like uh, i was saying about the atomic bomb it is sort of personally like that but then if you look at the history then the city was rebuilt uh, yes. There is a new life and people go back and they remember and they say this shouldn't happen again. And uh, I think that's Definitely. a great analogy to for Lyme disease. We're not there yet, of course, but but we're we're all learning. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Hope for the future. Hope. And I just wanted to sort of talk about as well the mm. treatments that you've had over the years yeah. and what's worked for you and sort of what hasn't really because i know it's a russian roulette game out Absolutely. there in the lime world and i think it's very personal to each individual and i just sent a message on facebook to somebody who asked uh, what treatment i had to get better yes i'm not 100 percent, and I, I doubt very much that anyone who's had the infection without appropriate treatment soon enough ever makes a complete recovery but that's no yes that's okay uh, yeah you can make a substantial even if you were 50 percent, it's better than five 
Yeah, you know, and, but so I had all sorts of things. I mean, um, I had acupuncture when I was diagnosed with MS. Right. And I have to say, it didn't help with the pain. It helped a little okay. bit with the, with the fatigue. Yeah. It did help, and it definitely helped. But you know what? Between you and me, and everyone else listening to this, my, <laughs> my, my acupuncturist was so brilliant that I felt it was like counselling. It wasn't right. just the needles and uh, in relevant places, toes and ears and God knows where. Yeah. It, it actually helped to be relaxed and to yes. talk. So acupuncture never helped my neuropathic pain because I had left with damage because of the, uh, the, the infection that did go to my brain. Of course, right. So I still have neuropathy, so I'm on a lot of drugs for that. But in terms yes. of the Lyme, I, through my acupuncturist who told me about banderol and cemento, the plant extracts, uh, which I took, you've got to build it up over time, but I took it for a few months, maybe six months, and then it it sort of plateaued, so it wasn't helping anything anymore. It made me more clearer focused, so it gave my concentration back, but it didn't affect the fatigue really that much, or that I had a herx instantly when I started wow. taking bandra on cement I had to stop and then went back on it which is a sign actually that it was trying to kill off the b- bacteria okay um and then I had doxy for doxycycline for six months and I hurt right. mega with that after a few, I bet yeah yeah few, just a few days I was laid out on the sofa for about a week Wow. Yeah, completely. Um, and then I started gradually to improve. Um, but then I couldn't take the doxy because of the sunshine. Um, I had a very bad effect with the sun on the skin. It can, doxy can affect uh, right. the chemicals, yeah, the composition okay. of the skin. Uh, so I was blistering um, oh, wow. in the sun. Yeah, so I had, it was really bad timing because it was really helping. But then yes. inside with, you know, down the south of England, it's sunny quite a lot. Yeah. And um, yeah. I couldn't go out. I couldn't walk the dogs. I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't go out. I had sunblock, hats on and everything else. Yeah. So I looked a bit odd but um, in the summer. But um, so I had to stop that. But then I managed to convince my GP that the best approach would be not doxycycline because of the sun effect that I should try a combination of azithromycin, flagyl, I think it is, and amoxicillin. Um, okay. And I took that for about six to eight months. Um, yes. Going from, you know, like a rotation. Um, yeah. And I improved more. And it was, it was wow. empirical. Yeah, it was empirical, pragmatic. The, the doctor said, look, see me every month. If this is not actually benefiting you in any way, your symptoms or anything, then we'll just stop it. Okay. But if you, if it is, and I'll be able to see by looking at you and examining yes. you that this is actually having a beneficial effect, then we'll keep doing it. So we did that for about six to eight months. But in the end, my, my, my gut, my stomach couldn't. Oh, no. No, it destroyed all of the, you know, the good bacteria. Yeah. Um, I sort of had to stop. So then I came to the decision that I had pretty much, other than having IV privately, 
antibiotics right. privately, uh, I can't really do any more. Yeah. And I need to give my gut flora and my body a rest. So I just stopped and I thought, okay, I can always perhaps go back onto this rotation. But I didn't. Yes. Because I, I plateaued in a good way. Uh, I never returned to where yes. I've been before. And I thought, this is real development. This is really good. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. And, um, and so I did. So I, I, I haven't had antibiotics now for at least three years, maybe four. That's fabulous. Um, now, all I take now is painkillers for the neuropathy. Yes. Yeah. So I still have fatigue. And maybe we'll yes. talk about that later about the balance of, of, of work life and health is definitely yes. is making time to rest. It's so critical to recovery. Definitely. And, um, yeah. So and I have a mantra that I like to share with people because Jack Mann has a mantra. And actually, I gave him my mantra, uh, which was um, that helps you get through the very difficult times, which is this is nothing. And um, that came from somebody who I met gardening he was gardening in my garden and he talked right. about a tree and he said about a tree needs to flower the you know the bees it needs to pollinate and everything else so i wanted to yes. chop half it down because it was like you know too big and he right. refused to do it and he said because uh, uh be kind he said be kind be nothing at all this is nothing uh, it's very bizarre and i thought yeah oh my god anyway so i've taken that and put it in the novel because i just thought that's become my mantra this idea yes. of be kind and this is nothing. This idea that when you're in, you know, difficult, dire straits, you know, you're really at the end is yes. not. This is yes. nothing. And it helped me, you know, that mantra is a psychological tool that, you know, that positivity that you will, yes. you will win, you will not lose. Um, exactly. Never exactly. Give this up. is nothing. It's not as big as you, as you think it is. That, I yes. Think that's the thing that positive thing that really helped for years Definitely. I still use it now yes and that's great that you know that's sort of your lifeline and pick me up when you need it and that's yeah. great you know we all have our inner voice and that that, that we voice, really do yeah. yeah that tells you things and um and that's what I now tell myself it is a, an inner sort of survival mechanism and yes. people can find their own as well you know it doesn't matter whatever it is you probably have it within you already that yes, positivity, definitely. that 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 voice. Yes, yes, and I think that that's a great a great message for everybody out there. That sometimes when we sort of feel like we're being overwhelmed with negativity, mm. we just need to sort of snap out of it and yes. talk positively to ourselves in any shape or form because it it does really do the world of good for us. I mean, it can, I mean, it sounds, it can sound trite, can't it? It can, it can sound it like, can, oh, yes. oh, oh, you don't understand how bad it is. But it's still, at the end of the day, you, you need something. You need, a, you need to pick yourself up somehow. Definitely. And listen to yourself. You know, there, there is a voice that is a positive voice in there. And yes. finding it is, is, is the key. And then, you'll, and then you will steadily walk forwards as opposed to just lying down of course of course hmm. now awareness work i yeah. know that you've done a lot with the bbc even just today and you're always in demand because you're so <laughs> talented but how do you feel that this month has gone this year it's, awareness month 
I think it's gone really well. I, I like the new um, development uh, of Light Up Lime, you know, lighting up the buildings. Yes. Um, and I know that the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury, which is one of the biggest theatres in the south of England, outside of London, lit up. And I, oh. I got a photograph of it, so I put it on Twitter. It's amazing. It, but it's happening all over the country. And I think it's yeah. amazing. It means that, I don't know, not just awareness, but that there's a people understand there and they, they yeah support. it's a common knowledge now absolutely and yes. it all helps all of it helps definitely definitely so, social media helps you know twitter and facebook and so on yes uh, but obviously the, the main thing is about prevention isn't it rather than the cure of course the cure is difficult yes um, but prevention is actually relatively easy <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and that's Definitely. what we, I think that's what I'm picking up from the, the media and saying to the media that you've got to, people just have to protect themselves. You don't have to, you know, cover yourself from head to toe all the time. No, of course not. There's an exaggeration of that, isn't there? But, yes. you, know, you know, you just have to be careful and check, check yourself and your kids and your pets and yeah, of no, course. Just... And obviously being aware of the symptoms because everyone doesn't always get a rash. So no, no, that's right. just being more informed about, you know, whether it might be fever, chills, that kind yeah. of thing. And it if just... you can get tweezers, <laughs> I know yeah, yes. they gave me some and I handed them out at a literary festival uh, about 10 days ago now. I, I, it was about my writing and books, but I ended up talking about Lyme disease. Yeah. And that's great, though, about educating people who who are thinking, what's he talking about? What's Lyme disease? Yeah. Um, because of anatomizing, it's one of the central subjects. It made sense to me. And in the end, I convinced that it was important. And then I gave away LDUK uh, tick tweezers to anyone who bought a book, you know, and oh, a leaflet, wow. you know, yes. so that they can take it away and they can keep it. And you never know when it could be useful, you know. Of course, like you say, and, and people appreciate that. And even if they didn't have any knowledge about Lyme, when they sort of came to to you and, and mm. got the tweezers, the tweezers will be like playing in the mind thinking, I need to Google this when I get home or I need yeah. to do more research. Why, you know, and that that's where it all sort of, the ball gets rolling really. And, people... and then it's word of mouth, isn't it? And then they Definitely. Um, a friend Definitely. of my wife um, uh, contacted her recently saying that she'd come back from holiday and she had a tick in her chest. Oh, my word. Um, and what to do. So the fact that you can help people as well as inform is, is just yes. fantastic. Definitely, definitely. And like you say, a lot, a lot of people, you know, when we do Awareness Month and they see a lot of fundraisers and big events, they sort of get overwhelmed and think, I can't do a big event or I can't hold this. But they forget that just putting a, a poster in the supermarket or yes. going to talk to family and friends can be so, so effective and actually reach a lot of people, maybe sometimes more than an event can. I know. Yeah. They, shouldn't, they shouldn't underestimate their, you know, awareness campaign doing it themselves. I know. And then, of course, the children, then they know about it themselves. So they are already geared up they know yes and that's definitely the thing. i mean you know i was i'm 52 now um but i i was 43 when i got the rash yes um and i you know nobody including myself had ever heard of lyme disease even though in america it had been around for a lot longer more sort yes of known 
Um, it wasn't known in this country, and uh, there have been some baby steps made, as you know. Yes. But yes. they are they are baby steps. They're not, you know, long strides. And uh, I think we need long strides and running in the next few years to catch up with. We really yeah, do. To catch we up really with America. Do. You yeah. know, America's had its problems. Yes. But, but it's far more literate, line literate than in the UK. Uh, I think really we are is. becoming so. I think we're learning the language. Um, yeah, slowly, 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 slowly. Sorry. Yeah, and I think it's always hard because I always feel like people see us as troublemakers because yeah. we go on the media and say this, that, and the other. Um, and it's not that we're we're trying to work with the NHS and try and help yes. them get people in and out of the surgery and cured quickly without them having to go back for lifelong treatments and be a yeah. drain on the NHS. We're not trying to fight the NHS no, on this at all. No, Lyme patients are the last people on earth to be called, um, you know, conspiracy theorists. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, not, they're not conspiracy theorists. They want their life back and, um, and want other people losing their lives. And, uh, Yes. So I, I think eventually the message will, but it might take, you know, institutions, big old institutions are very hard to change. To and break, yes. take, They will take a long time, I think. But I don't know, now and then there might be just small little breakthroughs. Yeah, um, that's it. I feel positive about it. I think, I think uh, there have been some changes made, not enough. I think the distance that we're on a spectrum and I think it will it will move forwards. It can't move backwards. It will it will move no, forward. definitely. Definitely. Um, but we just need to keep some of the pressure on really. We need to do our do our bit, I suppose. Of course, yeah. And and you know, the community oh, is doing great. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the community is doing really, really great as yeah, as we can see. And and it's great that the media are also getting behind us because there was a point where they were quite closed off about it because obviously they didn't want to upset the NHS or the health professionals. Yeah. But they're reaching the point now where they want to help, which is great and a massive, massive relief on our part. I mean, celebrities have made a, a big difference and, and they're really critical because people are, yes. the general public are attracted to the name and they know the person. So yes. Actually, and, and therefore they get bigger coverage, which is, which is great. And I know that some people think that the little people, if you know what I mean, that the, the non-celebrities are, are f forgotten because they're, they suffer and nobody knows. Yes. And that's yes. true in a way. I understand that. And um, But at the same time, we're all sort of fighting the same battle. We're all, of course. We're all part of that. It's a, it's a diverse community as, you know, as it is, but, but we're, all, yes. we're all trying to do the same thing. So I think yeah. it all helps. It all, it's all positive. It all helps. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Now, going on to work, life and health balance, mm. which is hard for so many of us, yeah. and especially with yourself being, you know, so, so busy with all your work going mm. on and you're so used to being on the ball and working really hard that it's hard when health takes such a massive chunk of our energy. So how do you cope with it all? Good question. Um <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, again, I think going back to earlier, I, I think it's a very individual thing. We all know our yes. limits. We know our limits. And um, so I do stuff, 
I have to do nothing. So I yes. plan, and planning is critical. Uh, I always have, um, if I'm doing something like a literary event or a launch or a public thing or like the BBC yes. coming around or whatever, I will try as much as I can. It didn't happen when the BBC came around because I was really busy the previous day, but I didn't want to say no. Um, I, right. I factor in the day after and sometimes actually two days, depending on how intense. Just to recover. Absolutely. I mean, I've, yes. I don't lie around necessarily, but I, I don't, I don't overexert myself in any way whatsoever. And I turn down other things. So there's only so many social and professional events that you can do before you're completely queen crackered. So you, yes, definitely. you know, you, you've got to pace yourself. Rest is so critical, not necessarily sleep. Although if you nod off sometimes it's great, but, um, <laughs> isn't it? Because it's all part of the recovery and the rest. Definitely, um, definitely. But So I, I, I used to underestimate the power of rest. Um, I right. used to just keep going and keep going and doing this and doing that. Um, and actually the, the human mind and the body needs times, occasions of rest. Uh, so I, I plan as much as I can. I don't like sort of um, to do two or three days in a row of anything. So I, no. I, I spread myself out rather yes. than commit to too many things. And I think that's critical. Be kind to yourself. Definitely, because obviously self-help and self-love is, is a, vital in this game and it it's is. very hard to come to terms with when you've been so used to being so work focused and so yeah. on it that when you have to sort of allocate time for your actual self and uh, your own recovery it's, it's kind of like a foreign language and although you need to go the other thing I was going to say is that um, not um, it's a difficult balance but to try and get outdoors when you can when you're yes. able uh, away that uh, I understand the the reasons for doing that I've done that in the past and yes. um, it's sort of self-defeating in a way because you're not interacting and I think communication and interaction no matter how oh, are, are yeah, so vital. important aren't they they're so important yeah. so not exercise I, I mean I don't run or anything I, no. you know, I don't even run for a bus anymore <laughs> it just exhausts me but but I do walk and I take yes. the dogs out now that I couldn't do before when I had acute Lyme. So I, you know, I get out two, three times a day and then through that I meet people and I talk and I get a little bit of sunshine yes. and you feel almost normal again. Definitely. But I hadn't done that in the past. I, I thought I, I was, that, I just needed to stay away from people and they wouldn't understand yeah. and I don't care about anybody out there because I'm dying in here um, yeah. but somehow you have to broach that barrier you do you do you do don't you it's, it yes. takes work and effort it really does and you can rest afterwards but to, to, to do it's an achievement a real Definitely. achievement to go out and, there and do it and in the moment you're loving life mm. and you you think yes I did yeah I made yes. the right choice going out today because those four walls uh, scary and they can yeah. close in on you and Absolutely. they're so so negative and I always try and get out for at least an hour and a day just so That's, I can see yeah. life again you can see yeah. there's purpose in the fight and it really really does do so much for your mental health. Do you know what That's, I was just about to say about how important if 
you can combine going out with doing something that broadens the mind. So it might just be going to the cinema. It yes. might be going to a, a gig. I went to a gig in North London. It's quite a difficult journey from East Kent to go to a gig, uh, a band called The Pixies, who instantly invented grunge. And, um, oh. and I took my friends all the way to North London to see this. And we stood wow. up watching this mad gig, this rock festival thing for about four hours. <laughs> And I thought I'd never, there was never a chance of me ever, ever doing this, say, three, four years ago. Yeah. I, I could never do it. So I was exhausted afterwards. I spent half the day in bed because it was shattering. Yeah. But the joy of being able to have done that. And and so, and also Definitely. now I try and go to the cinema a lot, watch a lot of films. Yeah, um, I do that too. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get out there and just to broaden the mind, take your mind off things as well. Definitely. Experience something a bit different. Like you were saying, it doesn't have to be a massive, a massive thing. Even just walking to your local pub, maybe that might yeah, be yeah. five minutes yeah. away, yeah. but just to go and sit, have a drink. Just now, see other... I, I try to have a balanced diet, and I cut out the processed foods, and I avoid sugar, which yes. inflames my nervous system. So anyway, but it's that's a good thing, avoiding sugar. Definitely. Um, particularly Definitely. the non-natural sort of sort. But um, yes. But treat yourself. I wrote down something, and I, and I wrote balance of work life and health and I just thought I wrote treat yourself occasionally definitely they may be regarded as bad <laughs> it might be a glass of wine it could be fish and chips it, yes. you know everything in moderation is good for the soul that's definitely what I definitely and I I sometimes get mad at myself because in the moment I get a bit caught mm. up so I'm like yeah I'm living life I can have a bit of this yeah. bit of that when it comes to like food and things and I suffer heavily for it yeah. afterwards but you just think, no, I'm I'm good ninety nine point nine percent of the yeah. time. I was out, I was with friends and family, yeah. and I just wanted to enjoy myself. And you do yeah. have to do it. You really do. I think the occasional lapse is not a disaster. No, definitely not. So you know, I do like occasionally fish and chips by the seaside where I live. So, uh, and yeah. I know a good chippy. So I, you know, every now and then. But it's, it's part place. of it, isn't it? It's part of you've got to live. Being you've got to live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that's a great message to sort of end with. But just to finish, I wanted mm. everybody to know where they can purchase your book and reach you sure. and contact you because I think you're great and people should reach out to you and follow you in any way they can. Okay, well, Anatomized is available, um, obviously, in all good bookshops. I do write under my initials, A for Andrew, F for Francis, you know, good Catholic yes. boy. Uh, <laughs> so it's A.F. McGuinness. Um, and so it's on Amazon. Uh, it's also on Kindle. Um, I have a website, which is www.afmcginnis.com, all lowercase. Right. com and um, my Twitter handle is at AF McGuinness. Um, so if people want to wow. follow me on there and I'll follow them back. Yes. Um, yeah. And also, anybody who does read the book, and I've said this on Facebook or on Twitter so many times as well, is that I really do value any view that, it, you know, anybody, yeah, some yes. feedback on it because um, I just find it fascinating as well because you're sharing a story with a book and when people read it, they give 
a huge part of themselves to the book. Of course, and, yes. Yeah, and, and they tell you things that you hadn't realised yourself. Yes. So it's very revealing and sharing, and I love that. So if people want to find me on the website or on AFP Guinness, Twitter, uh, whatever, but, but please do, anybody who does buy it, thank you very much. Some of the profits from the book go to Lyme Disease UK. Fab. Um, um, and because I value them so much and they were a lifeline yes. when I really needed it. Yes. Uh, and so I'm still obviously in touch with uh, Julian Ice and, and so on. So, yes. Uh, no, so I, you know, uh, that was, you know, that they're, they're fantastic. So if anybody does buy a book, then some of that money will go to LGUK. And also, I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, perfect. And like you were saying, any feedback is, is, really great because it helps you improve as well it, it helps yeah. you realize what people are getting from the book as well and that and that's key really yeah so good luck with your memoir oh and thank you so much it's been such such a pleasure speaking to you today you've been, been absolutely great... fab brilliant and i really okay. really appreciate your time because you've you're in a demand and i understand that and and thank you so much no, brilliant. I hope it. I hope. Um, thanks for doing the podcast, and I hope it. Um, your podcast and all of these things, the Lyme awareness, helps not only those who have Lyme, but those who are unaware of Lyme as well. Get of it out course. there to as many people yes. as possible. Yeah. So I will do my best. Thank you very much, and thank you thank so you much so for being on. No, speak thanks, soon. Thank yeah, you very soon. much. Bye. Bye. Bye.